Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome you guys to Go Church. I'm telling you, we're in the middle of a series called What's Next? Making Excellent Decisions. And you have already made one. You are here. Why don't you give it up for each other? You're here on a Sunday morning when the Broncos play early. You're still here. You're going to watch it later. So thank you guys for making an awesome decision. And also, can we put our hands together and welcome everybody who is streaming today? I'm talking about Bill and Brooke from Cancun, Mexico. I'm talking about Riley at TCU. Welcome all of those guys. My name is Pastor Nick. If you're here for the very first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's my heart, passion that you experience God and experience friendship today. And I want us to get started with something that we touched on last week. Last week, I shared with you a few of my decisions, and I asked you to either passionately cheer for the decision or to viciously boo the decision, okay? There is no middle ground. So I want you to either cheer or I want you to boo. We have to continue this. I had fun doing it last week. I like having fun in church. So we're going to do it this week. So remember, passionately cheer or viciously boo some of my decisions. Decision number one, the best gas station candy is Reese's peanut butter cups. Okay, okay, so for the booze, what's the alternative? There is division among the camp. There is no unified second option. Everything from Twizzlers to paydays. Decision number two. I watched the movie Maverick more than once. First one's better. I feel the need. See, the pilot said it right, the need for speed. I feel it in the house. We have a lot of United pilots in the house. Decision number three, the best jelly for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is and will forever be grape. Grape. I stand by it. Never going to change. Okay, so what's some alternatives? Other ones. Strawberries. Got Raise your hand if you're strawberry over grape. You have a right to be wrong in this place. You do. You totally do. All right. Last decision today. I have, of course, decided that Go Church is full of the best, most handsome, most beautiful people you could meet anywhere, anywhere in the world. Go Church people are the best, right? Right? Got to love on yourself. All right, so listen, decisions, some are small, some are fun, some are big, some are easy, and some are hard. Today, second week in our series, What's Next, about how to make godly decisions, I want you to think about a decision that you need to make in the future. Maybe it's something you've been thinking about. Maybe you have a decision to make about school, about what to do about school, enter school, send a kid to school, going from high school to college like us, which school are they going to go to? I want you to think about a decision into the future. And I want you to think about 
that decision as an opportunity, an opportunity to make the best godly decision that you've ever made. Like you've got a chance to make the most sound godly decision that you've ever made. I still choose to cheer for the Denver Broncos. I do. I'm telling you, it's been hard, but I still make the decision. Some decisions are easy. Some decisions are hard. It brings us to the one big thing. I want you to write this down today. Right on the back of your communication card, looks like this. Write our one big thing right across the top. God will give me wisdom to decide. Everybody say wisdom. I want you to think about wisdom today as a gift. Imagine Christmas time, and there's an art and some beautiful dynamics in gift giving, right? So if you give a gift, it helps if the other person receives the gift with a smile. Wouldn't it be terribly awkward at Christmas you extend this gift and your loved one's like, I'm good. Don't need it. You're like, you don't even know what I already got it. Don't need it. The art of giving and receiving a gift. If we think about wisdom as a gift and God as the gift giver, the idea of wisdom becomes a bit different in our mind. It's not something that we just earn. It's not based on education and IQ. I'm pro both of those. It doesn't make you automatically a wise person. Yes, we pick up wisdom from experience, wisdom from life, but if you see wisdom as a gift first, something that you hone, a gift that you perfect, a gift that you appreciate, it takes on a different feel. God will give me wisdom to decide. J.I. Packer, who's a great author, I would encourage you to pick up any book that he has written, J.I. Packer writes this, finding the will of God is a problem for many Christians, not because they doubt that God guides his children, but because they are sure that he does. Do you get the spirit of that quote? If you're a follower of Jesus, you really believe that God has a plan for your life, that decisions matter. That what you do with your time matters. The big decisions in your life matter. That God has something to say about these. So it's not about being convinced that he does have a plan. It's feeling sometimes the stress of that knowledge. And sometimes it can feel paralyzing. Sometimes you get that classic paralysis by over-analysis of the things God has in front of you to do. So I want us to make some progress today, and I want to set your heart and set your mind at ease, because here's the deal. At the end of the day, if you're a Jesus follower, I truly believe this, it is easier to find his will than it is to miss it. It really is. If you love Jesus, you're following him it's a lot, lot easier to find it, to be in it, than it is to miss it. You have to almost try to miss it. But sometimes it feels the opposite as Christians. So I want to give you today five questions. Everybody say five. Five questions that Becky and I have literally asked about big decisions we've made in our life. This is something that is coming from our life, 
There's a point that's come from another author. There are several points that come straight from the Bible. So today is a blend of wisdom or admonishment that I'm giving you today. So here's the first question. Write it down. First question you want to ask with a big decision. Is my heart right? Is my heart right? We talked about this last week. Remember, today is the second week. So today and next week are the practical walking out of some theological concepts that we learned last week. So if you weren't here, go back and watch this. So last week, we talked about how God works from the inside to the outside. At first, God changes the inside, which turns into outside behavior. So we don't try to change our life by changing outside behaviors first. The first thing we do is get a heart that is transformed by God in close proximity to God, and we start to change from the inside out. So if you have a big decision in front of you, I think the first question to ask, is my heart right? That's another way to say, are my motives right? Do an integrity check. Do a follower of Jesus check. Do a heart check. And this is what we talked about last week, our heart health. Let's read this scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I want you to think about how God works from the inside to the outside. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Now, this was really weird for the Greeks at the time because they thought the body was disconnected from the soul or spirit. Like you could do whatever you want with your body because that's really just a vessel and a soul and spirit that matters more. So I could be vile in my body, but in my mind, if I am dedicated to something spiritual, then it doesn't matter. So Paul saying this was kind of like a, say what? That goes against, no, we don't do life like that. Paul's like, no, no, the way that you treat and use your body, it matters. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So check this out. The way to worship God truly, truly isn't the song that we just sang before the message. It's great to do that. It's great to worship God, to sing, to focus your heart, focus your mind, to lift up praise to God. It's important. It's amazing. But it pales in comparison to a life lived for God. In fact, the decisions that you make every day should rise up to God like beautiful music to his ears. The most beautiful lyrics, the most beautiful song ever, just from the everyday decisions that we make. That we are literally a living worship song to God. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So where does God start? On the inside or the outside? He starts on the inside, the mind, the heart. And here, here comes an amazing word, then. Changing the way you think. Then. Changing the way you think. Everybody say, then. Then is like a fulcrum. 
Students in the house, if you don't know what a fulcrum is, ask your parents. Uh, parents, if you don't know, ask Siri later. This is the pivot point or fulcrum in this. If you do all of this, then you will learn to know God's will for you. See, knowing God's will comes after living a life of worship for God. Knowing what to do comes after being who God has created you to be. The doing comes after the being. So be a follower of Jesus first. And if you are, you're going to naturally be able to tell which step to take, which direction to take, because you're walking with him. Who you are is more important than what you do. It's a who before do situation. So are my motives right? Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Are my motives right? So as an example today, I think about me and Becky and our decision to move to Denver to start Go Church. We were living in Oklahoma in 2014, it was okay. Did you get that? It's just okay. It's a dad joke. I'm a dad. I can do it. I have a license to do it. Birth certificates to prove it. So we were living in Oklahoma, and we thought that God was starting to shift some things on the inside. And we were feeling this. And so we begin to pray about it. And this is the first thing that I thought about is, is my heart right? Am I feeling this for the right reasons? Do I want to start Go Church for the right reasons? Is it because I love God? Is it because I love people? Is it because I have a real heart for serving and reaching people with the gospel that haven't been reached yet in a new community? Or is it because I'm bored? You know, do I just need a next thing? Do I think that I can do it better than somebody else and I just want to go and prove it? Do I want to just do it because I just want to do it? Whenever you're thinking about next job, next relationship, next big decision, next partner, next big business move, use this question, is my heart right? Are my motives right? Am I wanting to make this decision out of the right reasons, out of the right heart that God has in me? First question is huge. Second one, write this down. Catch this, Sonny. Thank you. Question number two. Have I asked God for wisdom? This seems super obvious, but I will tell you I have been guilty of not doing that. Like, I'll read the books, I'll read the stuff, I'll talk to people, I'll, I'll do all the pros and cons, and it's like you realize, oh, wait a minute, I haven't actually asked God's opinion about this, and I certainly haven't asked him to help me know what to do. This is question number two. Have I asked God for wisdom? If wisdom is a gift, this question, it makes sense. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. And then look what happens. Look how God becomes. You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. So if you're like, I'm going to ask God, 
And if you're nervous about it, you don't need to be. He's not going to look through your life and be like, you don't deserve it. I saw what you did last week. You had three Slurpees instead of one. Wasn't wise. Not going to give you any more wisdom. He will give to all without finding fault. Not to just super special people. Not to a certain socioeconomic area of people. Not a certain color of people. I will give to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, here's the big deal. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because a person who believes or doesn't believe is like a wave tossed by the sea, back and forth, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I'm glad you found it, Siri. I'm triggering Siri. So something that's very cool about this scripture, when you ask God, he gets generous, not frustrated. He's generous. He wants to give. He wants to help. He wants to join with you in this journey. He's not going to find your faults. He's going to jump in and want to help you. This is the good news. So I want you to think back. Seriously, think back to one of the last big decisions that you made. One of the last big decisions. Could have something to do with finances and investment. Big decision for your kids. Maybe it was a big trip. Am I going to do this, not do this? Maybe it was a shift in profession. Before you made that, decision. Just think back. Did you literally ask God for wisdom? Did you ask him for it or not? I want you to think about your decisions like this. Did I ask God or did I just, I mean, it just seemed obvious. So I just, I just did this. Or like the report said, we need to do this. So I just did it. I mean, it's what the number said. Data doesn't lie. Boom, do this. Or have you really asked God? God, give me wisdom to decide. Are we subjecting the decisions of our life to the wisdom of God? Or are we doing it the other way around? Are we asking God to bless things that we didn't have the time nor the inclination to ask him about? Before we ask God to bless a decision, maybe we need to ask him, God, is this a decision you want me to make? God will bless the decisions that he wants you to make. That's how God works. But sometimes we flip-flop it, and we just do whatever we want, and we ask God to bless that. God's like, why am I going to bless an idea? It's not even my idea. This is not me. This is you. We've got to give God something to bless. You've got to have faith. In another translation, I quote, the Bible says, it's unstable, and a person, you can't be trusted. This double-minded idea. Like, it's a person not to be trusted. It's a person who's wishy-washy, okay? Think about this. In a big decision, have you ever felt stalled? Like, I just don't know, I don't know what to do. So imagine you are, ski season's coming up, Epic Passes is letting, has let me know every other day, now is the time to buy the ski pass, 
Delete, 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 delete. Block, send to junk. No more you, Epic. So let's imagine you find the pass, and it is ski season, and you are on your snowboard or you're on your skis, and you are bombing. You're just bombing this run, right? And somebody down in front of you wipes out. Takes a header, just wipe out. And you're like, oh, no, what should I do? Left, right, left. Maybe I should go right. And then you end up going right into them. Either decision, left or right, would have been better than indecision. And sometimes that's the way it is in life. Any decision sometimes is better than indecision. Because at the end of the day, indecision is still a decision. Sometimes we stall. We get scared. We put it off. We procrastinate because we are afraid to pick left or right, left or right, and we end up crashing in the thing we're worried about. So I want to challenge you today. Is there a decision that you need to make that you've been putting off? Maybe you got a snapping it back into focus. Remember, you need to make this decision. Don't put it off. Just because it's hard, maybe it's a decision to talk to somebody and it's a hard conversation. Maybe you need to admit that you were wrong. It was literally like the one time in your whole life you've been wrong, but you realize it. And you got to go to them and say, I, I actually was wrong. I didn't know what the feeling felt like, but I, I discovered it. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Indecision is a killer. There have been times in my life in my leadership where my heart is right. I'm loving God. I'm doing the things that God wants me to do. And I have a hard decision that I've got to make. And I don't have two weeks to make it. I've got to make a decision timely. There are times when literally I will say, God, would you please give me the wisdom to make the right decision on this? I'll meditate on it and I'll make a decision. Sometimes as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you've got to just live life knowing that God has given you the wisdom that you need. If you want it, he's going to give it to you. And make a decision. Don't get stuck in indecision and crash into somebody. Wipe out yourself and hurt somebody else. Question number three, write this down. This is a hard one sometimes. Have I asked for godly advice? Notice it's not just have I asked for advice. Or have I asked advice from people that already agree with me? Have I asked for godly advice? Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Plans can fail because you didn't get counsel. You didn't ask somebody. Three weeks ago, I asked a church consultant to spend some time with our staff. And he's a friend, very smart. And so he comes over to the office and we're talking about Go Church. He's writing down lots of things and we're talking about big picture of Go Church direction. We're asking questions, he's asking questions. It's good, it's productive. And in the middle of the conversation, he kind of makes a realization, says it out loud. You know, it sounds like community is it's a big deal for you guys. Like you really value the people of Go Church, it's not just the programming and the stuff you do. The relationships are important. We're like, yeah, yeah, the relationships are, you know, why we do what we do. That's the whole point. He's like, okay, let me ask you a question. 
when was the last time that you called everyone in your database? And we were like, hmm, it's probably COVID. Everyone, like to call, try to call everyone, contact everyone. He's like, maybe you should think about that. And we're like, you know what? He's right. So we took all of the contacts that we have in our database and we split it up between me and Becky and Michael and Casey, Casey who directs Go Kids, Michael's our associate pastor here. And we've got about 150 to 200 names each. And we started to make these calls. And so last week I started to make these calls. And for those of you who are in sales, you know, sometimes the feeling of cold calling is not an amazing feeling, right? It's like you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what mood they're going to be in. If it's a great time, not a good time. If they even remember you. I mean, this could be a person that came one time six months ago with their son and they live out of town. We're calling everybody that we have a, a number for. And I started calling people and I'm telling you just through, I got through about 60 names and more than once I had people say this totally honest like this is so nice that you're calling just to check in because we're just calling to check in is there anything that we can pray with you about it wasn't like all right we've got these next go church things coming up we'd love to see you the next next we weren't doing that we're just checking in and and I had more than one person say, you know, it's really weird that you called right now because I'm going through this and I would love to pray about this. We prayed together on the phone. Had several, you know, significant conversations with people. Becky ran into a guy that she talked to on the phone in Target yesterday. He was like, you know what? It was super nice that you called. Thank you for doing that. Have you asked for godly advice? It was good advice that Jeff gave us. You already love the people. It's just a reminder. Call them. See what's up. Maybe there's some people you haven't talked to in a while. It was good advice. Do you ask for godly advice when you are trying to make a big decision? Or do you just ask for advice of people that already agree with you? Confirmation bias. You just ask from the people that you know they're going to say what you just already want to hear, okay? So if you're a person and you're thinking about starting to go to the gym, you've never been to the gym, you're thinking about it, you're not automatically fired up about it, and if the only person you ask about it is another person who's never been to the gym and doesn't really like it, guess what? Probably not going to go. If you're thinking about Having kids. You're young, you're married, you're thinking about having kids. You probably don't want to ask your single friend who's decided to never have kids if you should have kids. You should ask a godly parent of young kids. <laughs> See what they say? You want to ask godly parents of some teenagers. See what? You might not end up having kids after that. I'm kidding. I love my teenagers. You might ask some godly grandparents. Like, think back about how everything has gone. You've got grandkids now. Like, we're thinking about having kids. What have you learned? What lessons have God, has God showed you? We're scared that we might not have enough money or maybe the job thing or might be moving around. Or, you know, we're worried about these things. What do you think? When's the last time you asked for godly advice with a big decision that you need 
to make. Question number four, have I expanded my options? I like this one. This one and the next one is inspired by a book called Decisions by Dan and Chip Heath. And I like this one. How many of you know what this is? Raise your hand if you know what this is. Okay. This is a DeWalt tape measure. Guess how far it goes? 25 inches. You're right. No, it's 25 feet. I want you to imagine, we're going to do a little experiment here. I want you to just imagine that you are in construction. And you're good at it, but you don't particularly like the situation you're in, okay? But you've been in construction. You've been successful. You've made a living. You're doing construction. But on the inside of you, by the way, this is called an illustration with things that Nick has at the house, okay? So this is my tape measure, okay? But on the inside of you, you know, you've always really wanted to be a baker. You just have. Yes, I did happen to have a strawberry donut with sprinkles. It was gone after the illustration, okay? You've always wanted to do that. You've thought about this. So you're like, okay, well, I've either got to quit my job in construction or do this donut thing full time. So it's either like I got to choose either or construction, donut, construction, donut, donut. You're good. You got it. I tried to trick you, but you're good. Give it up for Darren. She's on a pro presenter today. She will not be fooled. It's easy to be either or. I'm more of an extreme person by nature. You know, it's extreme choice. It's hard for me to blend. It's harder for me to do both and sometimes. I want to just either cut something off all the way or not. So... Instead of just being either or, I submit this to you. Maybe you could expand your options. So this is a flashlight that you've seen. Like, go back one, Darren, please. So, like, obviously, this is a mag light that I've, I had on a super tight beam, okay? And go back to the tape measure, please, Darren. You're so good at this. So this is, like, super tight beam. They haven't changed locations. This is, like, the same setup, Okay, now go to both of them at the same time. I've just widened the spotlight on this mag light. That's all I've done. I just widened it a little bit. Think a little both and. So you're in this construction job. Maybe you say, well, instead of just quitting my job and being like, I'm going to be a baker now. Maybe you kind of scooch a little bit and try it. Maybe you keep the construction job because you like to eat and have money. And you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a farmer's market. I'm going to do a pop-up stand. I'm going to make my things. I'm going to make my cookies. I'm going to make my croissants. And I'm going to just see what happens. And unless people are just lined up, bringing their friends over, you are selling out. People are talking about it on social media. They're getting selfies with you. They want you to autograph their body because of how good this baking stuff is. You should probably stay in construction. But you can test it out. Maybe it does take off. Maybe it does work. Maybe people are telling their friends, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to scooch, 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 and then boom, I'm doing this. So sometimes it's not just either or. It's both and, okay? So think about this in your life with decisions that are coming up for you. Relationships, job, 
A little of this, a little of that. Maybe you can expand your options instead of just quitting a job to start something that you think you might like or be good at. Kind of scooch into it. Have you expanded options? And this is a bonus. This is just something that, that I like as an exercise. Let's say, for example, Darren, just go back to tape measure. Let's say, for example... Donuts bakery has faded away. Okay, you don't, you don't you don't have that option anymore. It's gone. Bye bye. This is all you have. A good question to ask is instead of just quitting, what would need to happen for me to stay, but be happy? What would it take for me to stay in a relationship, but be happy and at work? What would I need for this job to stay in this job and for this job to work and for me to be happy? So instead of just saying, all right, forget it all, I quit. Maybe really there's just one or two things in this setup that bothers you a lot. Maybe you're a project manager and you're being pulled into these meetings that really don't have anything to do with you. And it's like hours a week and it's causing you to be unproductive, it's hurting your teams, it's taking you off task. Instead of just saying, you know what, I'm just sick of all this dumb stuff, I quit. What if you were to go to the person that you report to and say, hey, would you mind if we tried an experiment? A lot of the meetings that I've been setting in, love the company, love direction, vision, love all of that. A lot of these meetings are outside of my responsibilities and I don't have a lot of, of input and it's pulling me off things that I think can really help me be more productive. Here, teams, more productive. Can we just try an experiment over a month that I replace those meetings with these things? Maybe they say yes. Maybe it works great. Maybe you're happy. So instead of just quitting, you change a few things. So instead of just quitting your marriage, maybe you need to change a few things. Instead of just giving up on your kid, say, okay, fine, whatever. Maybe you need to change a few things. Instead of giving up on God, maybe you need to change a few things. But your mentality, instead of just giving up on a friend, giving up on a neighborhood, giving up on something you're passionate about, maybe you just need to change a few things. Last question is this. What would I tell my friend or successor to do? I was at Einstein Bagels talking with a friend, and he was trying to figure out literally if he was going to stay at his job or quit his job. And he had all the pros and cons, you know. Has anybody done a pro and con? Let me see your hand. Done a pro and con. Mm -hmm. Maybe you did one about church. I'm glad the pros won out. You're here. Nothing wrong with a good pro and con list, but that's not the only tool to use. He got through all the pros and cons, all the things, all the scenarios. He's like, I don't know. Just go stay, go stay, go stay. I said, What would you tell your friend to do? He's like, I tell him to stay. I was like. Why? He was like, he's like, oh, I, I, I see what you did there. I think I know what I need to do. I'm like, I think you've always known what you need to do. But you're just nervous about it. Sometimes a, qu- a simple question like this, it just changes your perspective a little bit. What would you tell a friend to do in the same situation? What would you tell your successor to do? Same situation. And it just gives you a little new perspective on it. Sometimes we can get so close to the issues that we get a little foggy and it's hard to see what step to take next. I want you to take a minute, pause. (laughs) Just consider the idea of you doing 
this kind of thing in your life for like six months, like where it becomes normal for you. It's like, man, I'm, all, I'm checking my heart. My heart good. God, what do you think about this? Would you give me wisdom to decide? You've done the appropriate amount of research. It's time. You've, you've thought left or right. It's time. Ask for wisdom. I'm going to choose left. I'm not going to say yes to indecision. Maybe you've taken one away. Say, all right, I'm taking the donut idea out. What do I need to do to be happy here, to be content or satisfied here? What would a friend do? Just imagine living life like this, and it becomes normal for you. It becomes a rhythm. You know, you start thinking about big ideas through these filters. Not the only filters, but you use these. And you start feeling more confident about your decisions. It just feels good to feel like I've gone about it the right way. I've gotten counsel and advice. And I'm believing that God has given me wisdom to make the decision. I'm doing this. I'm going this direction. It feels You better do it because I'm telling you, when you make a decision that's hard and you don't think or don't know for sure it was God, it's easy to back out. There have been plenty of times when it would have been really easy for Becky and for me or our team to quit. Just hard, challenging. You got to know that you're doing what God wants you to do. And that gives you the perseverance to push through. I want everybody to grab their phone. Grab your phone for a second. I, I want to get something on your phone. And it looks like this. On this screen, we've made a little wallpaper for you. You can see it. Five questions I will ask before making a big decision. I want you to get this on your phone, on your wallpaper, on your little home screen, right when you hit a side button, for like a week. It doesn't have to be forever. For a week where when you check the time or if you see notifications, you're reminded of these five. So take your phone, do the code, take the thing, put it on your phone, go to settings, whatever you need to do, and put this on your wallpaper for a week. And over the big decisions that are coming up, is my heart right? Have I asked God for wisdom? Have I asked for godly advice? Have I expanded my options? What would I tell my friend or my successor to do? These are great questions to ask. So put these on your phone with you just for a week. Maybe memorize them. Let it become second nature over time. When I look back in me and Becky's life, it's, it seems to me, it might sound weird to you, but to me, I see our life as an ever-evolving painting, like a portrait. I want you to watch behind me. You know, like God sometimes will show you some glimpses of stuff, of what it might look like. Like even now you might guess, oh, it looks like there's going to be some kind of landscape. You know, you get glimpses. But for me and Becky, I have found that God will never tell you everything he wants you to do all at the same time. He doesn't reveal to you the entire picture of your life. But he reveals it. One sketch at a time, one pencil mark at a time, one brush stroke at a time. He won't show you the whole thing, but God will always show you enough for the next step. And sometimes we worry about the whole thing. You know, I just want my whole life to be right. I I worry about 
being the person that God wants me to be. I'm telling you, if you will live a life brushstroke by brushstroke by brushstroke, let God paint the portrait of your life, it's going to end up exactly the way that God wants it to be. For me and for Becky, you know, Go Church started as a, as a thought. It was just an idea. It's like a brushstroke, like a rough outline. And then we started to have some plans and we started to pull some things together, brushstroke. Then we started to get some training, another brushstroke. We're kind of outlining the drawing. It's not even filled in yet. God is still working on it. Move here, brushstroke. Start launch team, brushstroke. Launch Go Church, January 24th, 2016, brushstroke. Grow, 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 brushstroke, 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 COVID, ah, redo. No, it takes the things away, fix it. Brushstroke, brushstroke. And here we are today. And yes, I'm excited about all of the things that God has done up to this point. But I am most excited about the brushstrokes that are to come. Because God's not done with us. He's not done with you. He's not done. Today, we don't know exactly how everything's going to turn out. And that's okay. We have to trust that God knows. That he knows how he wants it to end up. And if we will trust him with every decision, every brushstroke is going to be just right. If we make a mistake, God can fix that. It's not going to jack up the whole picture. God has a way. So today I want to remind you to put your hope and your faith in God. Not in your own brilliance, even though you are smart, or your own wealth or your own accomplishments, even though they can be sizable and great, and I'm happy for you and I think it's awesome. But let's be reminded of God's greatness, that it's God's plan to be humble, that I even have a chance to be a part of of this painting that is kingdom. Thank you, God. Let's pray. God, we come to you today as followers, your kids. And God, I ask that you would help us to trust you for every decision that we would ask. And God, we are asking today. And in our asking, we're going to believe. God, I pray for every single friend here today, every single friend watching online. God, together we ask for wisdom and we believe that you are giving it and have given it to us to make the decisions that are just a brushstroke away. We're going to make the right one, whether it's left or right. We say no to indecision. Say yes to action guided by you. If you're here today, you love Jesus, you love God, but there's a big decision coming up. It's kind of a heavy decision for you. It's significant. And you want to make sure and get it right in God's sight. Would you throw a hand up? See, that's me. I got a situation. I'm praying about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm praying about a thing. Come on, everybody in Go Church, everybody watching online, let's pray for the people that have raised their hands right now. God, I pray for every single person that's raised their hand and said, I got a big decision. God, I think you've given them wisdom. I pray that they can seek godly advice. I pray that you would refine and bring into clarity the next few brushstrokes that they need to make. God, I pray that you would give them great strength for the journey to know that if we will trust you 
lean not on our own understanding, acknowledge you in all of our ways that you will direct our path, you will make our path straight. Those of you here today, maybe it's been so long, maybe this is the first time you've ever walked into church, maybe it's been years since you have dared to give church a shot, God a shot in your life, but you're here today, I want to thank you. And I want you to know that I'm so proud of you for being here. And I want you to hear the timeless gospel. I want you to just hear my voice and to feel the love of God. To feel the love of the Holy Spirit drawing you in. This is the gospel, my friends. That Jesus loved you so much, he proved it. That God loved you so much, he proved it by giving his one and only son. And Jesus came and he lived the life that you and I could never live. He paid the huge bill of sin that we could never pay on our own. He paid it by giving his life in exchange for ours. And he died on the cross and they put him to a tomb one day, two days. But on the third day, God resurrected Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's alive and he wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus didn't give his life and be resurrected from the dead to start a religion. He did it to start a relationship with you, with us. How can you do it? The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the beginning of a relationship with Jesus. And if you want to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life, pray this with me out loud right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I am making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.